The following podcast may be explicit. One Joe Young presents Adventures from the Shed, a tabletop RPG podcast. You can find us online at adventuresfromtheshed.com. After receiving a fresh case from Margaret Deacon, Dex begins to consider the clues. He has many contacts in the L.A. area, and it's time to start calling in some favors if he's going to keep the lights on for another month. Kurt and Joe are back, so enjoy the podcast. Hi, and welcome back to the Shed for what is, again, a special series of episodes where Kurt and Joe play Cthulhu Confidential 1 to 1. You can, of course, find us online at um, adventuresfromtheshed.com, on iTunes, on Facebook, and all over the place. Kurt's going to get us back into the game with a quick recap of what we did last time, so I will turn it over to him. Excellent. Glad to have you back. As Joe said, we are playing Cthulhu Confidential, which is based on the gumshoe one-to-one system that was created by Robin D. Laws. Uh, this book and the adventures by Robin Laws, Chris Spivey, and Ruth Tillman. And we are playing the Fathomless Sleep. As you may recall from last time, Private Dick Dex Raymond had a stunning raven-haired beauty walk into his office and offer him what might be the job of his life. Margaret Deacon, an heiress to the Deacon Holdings fortune uh, from her father, Roscoe Deacons, uh, came because her sister, Helen, had gone missing six weeks ago and turned up a month ago walking in the streets of downtown L.A. in a blood-stained camisole, mumbling nonsense and having no idea where she was or who she was. She had heard that uh, Dex was the man who could help her find out what happened to her sister and find the sons of bitches that did it to her. We started off the first scene with the two of them talking, getting to know each other, and getting some background facts that might lead to a path or road that Dex could follow uh, to start uh, investigating his way in this adventure. Uh, We learned uh, a number of things, and I'll let... uh, Joe recount what he thinks is most important and then tell us where he wants to go from here. Well, I will take it in character there. After the gorgeous dame left my office, I took a little glance over at the vase, a little sparkle in the light, reached for my phone, thank goodness it'll be paid for this week. Pick it up and dial the number for, uh, actually I'll dial the operator to reach Max Weil. He's my contact over at uh, Capital Pictures. Hello, operator. Give me number nine. <laughs> number nine. One moment, please. <laughs> I like it. We get sound effects, too. Hello. Hey, Max. Dex here. I need some help. Dex? Is that really you? Yes, Max. It's really me. Dax, you dreamboat, what have you been doing? It's been too long, Dax, too long. And Dex, um, Dex never rolls his eyes when Max is around, but always does when Max isn't, because Max doesn't like that patronage. So, with his eyes firmly rolled back into his head, uh, with the beginnings of a headache setting in, he goes about explaining to Max... The, um, the what's happened over the the last bit of time since they've been together, and you know how he's looking forward to the next picture that Max is working on as a production designer there at uh, Capital Pictures. And after a few minutes of pleasant conversation, he gets around to what he actually called for. Um, <clears throat> he says, "And uh, hey, have you uh, heard of Marshall Daly over there?" Marshall. <laughs> 
Marshall, he's a screenwriter. I'm sure you've heard of him. I heard he's a really nice guy. Uh, I don't know if he's nice, Dex, but I mean, I've, of course I've heard of him. I've seen him. Oh my! And when I say I've seen him, I might, I might mean I've seen him. Yeah. Now, I mean, he's no Dex Raymond, but he is a good-looking man. Yeah, I've heard of him. He's not much of a writer, but he's a no. dreamboat. Well, I'm curious if he's been around the lot, the studio, the, the places that you frequent recently. Has he been around? Oh, yeah. I mean, he comes to work every day down in Typewriter Alley. You know, he's uh, down there with all the writers. They just go in there, and they sit there, and they're kind of on their bench, and they knock out those screenplays. But, you know, to be honest, Marshall, he's not there nearly as much as those other guys. I think he's uh, he's got some other interests. He's, he's uh, I mean, he's a good-looking man. He doesn't have to work as hard as some of those guys do. Perhaps you could find out for me what he does when he's not around the office around typewriter alley, when he's not clacking them keys down and putting the ink to paper. I can definitely check into it for you. I mean, you know, he's a writer. that He makes his living, but he, my understanding is he sleeps pretty late, and he uh, has leisurely meals, and he smokes cigarettes, and he chases women, and then when he's got <laughs> I time... I thought that's what all you movie types did, except <laughs> oh. the chasing women, I understand. Dax, you yeah. know, I... You, Dax, <laughs> pussy smells like fish. I don't like that stuff. <laughs> Uh, no, no, but I like the way that uh, I'd like the way that Marshall smells. Boy, he's a oh, he's dreamy. But yeah, yeah, you know, I don't know too much about him beyond that. But Typewriter Alley is, you know, if you're looking for him, you just just go down there. Yeah. No, you know, it's just over on the lot, but uh, it's away from the you know the studios. It's over there on the backside where the writers work. Oh, hey, that's great. Tell me when uh, when your next picture's coming around. I'll come check out some of your your work. Uh, the, some new costumes or something I'm sure you're working on. Uh, you can come around anytime you like, Dax. I'll show you everything there is to see. Sure, I'm sure I'll take a, a stop by your office when I'm in typewriter alley area. All right. Now, you know you know, I only kid, Dax. I really love you. I love you, Dax. Of course, Max. All right. I really appreciate everything you do. We'll get together soon. Sounds good. All right. Bye. And um, Dex will then go out and um, hail a cab, a cab to bring him to the lot where Capital Pictures is. Okay. So, you know, it takes you uh, 10 or 15 minutes to get over there. You're driving uh, on the streets. You've got the kind of beautiful... Uh, let, me, let me interrupt for a moment and ask, as far as the game system goes and how you want to run it, would it be adv- advantageous to put out multiple feelers at the same time? Like, should I also... I was thinking of also putting out a call to... Um, uh, Gosh, I got to remember his name. The, the detective investigator—that's his friend Ted. Yeah, Ted. Uh, um, do, does it help or hinder your ability to run the game? Do you think would uh, it be easier to follow just one thing at a time? No, no. I think it's fine to have multiple feelers and multiple potential threads. In fact, I think that would be great. Um, I don't. I don't think the sources are going to give you new leads to follow. Okay. I think they're there for you to either use for skill check type things mm-hmm. or confirmation or addresses or things like that okay so you know if you need someone to run a forensics check or tell you about a painting you have a source that can help you with that stuff but you can't just go to the cop and say tell me what you know about x so i'm i'm thinking of before we actually get to the studio what i'm thinking of is actually combining sources getting ted um to check on uh who has been running the investigation from the police side and if it was just stonewalled you know, if they really just stopped. Yep. And then if they have any information from the bloodstained chemisol, then I can go to my scientist friend who can do some forensics on it. So 
figuring the if they have the evidence, I've got to get it from Ted so that I can bring it to the scientist. Well, what I, I would say is, you know, this right is 1937, now. so you don't have a cell phone. So right. if you're in your office making calls, you should make calls. And that's what I was saying it before we went to the lot. Yeah. So I would ask, um, give Ted a call. Ted, uh, give him a call down at the precinct. Okay. And tell us just a little bit about Ted and your relationship with Ted. So, um, Ted, uh, I'll speak as Joe from this point. From from Dex's perspective, every cop has his fingers in the corrupt cookie jar except Ted. And the only time Ted ever bends the rules is to get a result, not to become part of any system or to get on the take. And he's actually bent rules and lost out. But it's just important to get that justice, to get the result that's needed. And he and Dex have worked side by side in a lot of ways, but it's always been where his cop buddies don't know and where Dex is able to keep um, uh, Ted away from the underworld. Right. So and this I, is Ted Gargan, and yeah. he is the Detective Sergeant Ted Gargan is the uh, head of the Homicide Night Shift. So okay. he's uh, so this is not a low-level guy. This is... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's not the police chief, but he's definitely someone who's going to be well. Yeah, he's a sergeant, so he's, there, sergeant, yeah. so he's he's a good person to know. Okay, um, okay so you're going to call him and ask yeah. him what? Um, so first off, uh, give him a call. Um, wait for the operator to patch us through the. Uh, as I've learned from the lingo, I believe it's the hello lady. In the lingo, I'll, I'll ask the. Uh, uh, the hello girl, sorry. Uh, hello girl, the telephone operator to patch me through to the police department. And then the police department operator to patch me through to Ted. Mm-hmm. And when Ted picks up, Ted, it's Dex. Dex, how are you? I'm doing all right. Hey, I got a job. I'm going to be able to pay your bar tab. I was just going to say you owe me a beer. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're right, I do. <laughs> and I'm going to be able to pay it. Excellent, that's what I like to hear. What can I do so for I you? So I owe you money. We're going to make that square. Awesome. In the meantime, have you heard of the Deacon Holdings, the Deacon family, and what happened to uh, Helen Deacon a few weeks ago? Oh, yeah. You can't not have heard about that. That's big news. So I've heard that uh, Theo Riley has been on the case. I want to know what you know about it and if we have any evidence from the the case that I can bring to a friend of mine. I mean, Ted, you know the way this works. I mean, yeah. he's on the case, but he's not on the case, you know? Yeah, you don't have to call me Ted. That's your name. Hmm? You call me Ted. Oh, sorry, sorry, Dex. <laughs> sorry. Dex, uh... I get too many drinks, pal. So the, uh... Yeah. I mean, I'd like to say that it was a thorough investigation, but you know how this works. Someone told him then not to focus on this, and so he didn't focus on this very hard. Yeah. Uh, there's not a lot of evidence, man. We found her walking almost naked down the... Boulevard and uh, a camisole covered with blood. Uh, there's nothing in the evidence locker. I think her sister or dad took the camisole back, so you know they may have that. And uh, I mean, there's there's not much to go on here. Was there anybody specific to stop the investigation, or is this just a dead end? Well, I mean, that's a good question. I mean, I think it's probably the usual suspects, but I'm not. I'd have to look into it in this particular case. Uh, I mean, you know the. Crimes, they've got their they've got their fingers in the department here. 
Yeah. Well, but, you do that for me. I owe you a beer, but you still owe me for that last case I helped you on. All right. Well, I will look it up. I don't know that there's going to be anyone particular in this case, but there may be. There may be. It'll take me a day or two to figure it out, though. All right. Why don't we get together, you know, in a couple of days and uh, we'll have that yeah. drink and talk about it. We'll get together at Shockey's. All right. In the meantime, you know, uh, I mean, I, I got to assume it was just her blood on it, but you, you, you might want to check with the family on that camisole. We'll do that. Thanks. All right, man. Talk to you soon. All right. Later, Ted. All right. Later, Ted. That's 30s lingo right there. All right. What was goodbye? I don't even think that was on the lingo sheet. Anyway, uh, so from there, I got that out there. And I, I would like to figure out um, how to get my hands on that camisole so that my uh, friend Virginia Ashbury can take a look at it. Okay. So you could call Margaret or you could drop Well, she by. just left my office. Was the same evening? Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, I, for me, I was going to go right to work on the case to show her that I'm working on it and sure. her money is being well invested. Okay. So, um, yeah. yeah. You'll have to decide. You, you yeah. might have to wait to call her then. So I'll do that then. We'll wait. Okay. In the meantime, hop in that cab and uh, have the cab made. Cabby, drive me over to uh, Capitol. Over to Typewriter Cap- Alley. Typewriter Alley in the Capitol. Capital, Capital Pictures Studio. Mm-hmm. Right, um, so the cabbie is a regular for me. This guy, he, this, he, I'm on his circuit. He circles this block, um, okay. as it were, and I always flag down the same guy. Okay. He says his name is Johnny, but uh, that little placard on the the um, uh, dashboard says William. He calls himself Johnny. I don't know why. Okay, but he's Johnny to you. Well, he calls himself Johnny. All right. So. Uh- so, uh, hey, Mr. Raymond, good to see you. Where are we going today? Hey, Johnny, Capitol Pictures Capital Studio. Capitol Pictures? Yeah. The main lot? Yep. All right. Well, well unless you know what typewriter alley is. I mean, I I'll know. just get there and listen for all the clacking. Sounds good. It'll, uh, you know, 10 minutes, kick back and relax, and we'll be there soon. All right. So, uh, cruises down the... No, we got to wait 10 minutes. Down the avenue. Real time. Okay. Some beautiful palm trees here, and uh, ah. as you get towards, as you get towards a lot, the houses get bigger, and, uh... You know, it's uh, what you would th- what we would think of now when we think of L.A., but in a, a smaller version. And yeah, uh, you, you know, you and, and in black and white, <laughs> and in black and white for so, sure. Everything's here is black and white. So we, uh, you pull up to the lot, you look out, you see uh, <clears throat> a small guard booth, a sign that says Capital Pictures, and then a couple of almost warehouse type buildings behind that, which would okay. be the lot. Okay, they look like uh, the mini airplane hangar looking buildings, right? Exactly. Um, I, I'm. I know I've been here before. I know Max uh, or Dex has been here before. I'm going to call him Max. I'm not sure why. But Dex has been here before. So Max loves he, Dex, but he's not exactly, Dex. Exactly. Um, however he gets in normally is how he would get in. I guess I don't know how that works. Because if there's a guardhouse, then they're going to say something. Right. So Whatever you, norm. So, I mean, uh, you can just walk up and look yeah. like you belong there? or yeah. you can. Well, I mean, I would... Because um, Max would let me in, he would probably walk to the gate and escort me in, and that probably has happened before. I'd say uh, we can wait for Max, or you can just let me in. Uh, you can go on, go on ahead. I'm sure he's right. waiting for you. So. All right. By the way, what time of day is it now? Is it, Don't you know you're a god here? Well, I mean, <laughs> no, it's, kidding. it's the evening. Uh, it's got to be at least late afternoon. Right. I mean, close uh, to sunset. Margaret came in a little before yeah, five. So. Yeah. Close to sunset, uh, depending on what time of year it is but right let's just say that uh it's getting that uh dark orange to almost purpley look in the sky mm-hmm. okay so um 
you're down the lot, no problem at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know from looking around where you've been before, where the movies are. And Max had told you that Typewriter Alley was kind of a small building and okay. towards the back of the lot. So you see that, and 200 yards Head away, that you can way. stroll sure. on over. Yep. Yeah. Um, and I'll pass by the uh, what I'm sure in nowadays I always picture people driving around studio lots in golf carts. I'm guessing they were probably pulling carts of some type with different pieces of equipment and cameras and what have you. Mm-hmm. So probably weaving in and out of those to get to the building where typewriter alley is, um, is if it's a window door, I'm going to look in first. If not, I'll just walk right in. Mm-hmm. It's not windowed. Okay. You just walk right in and walk right in. Um, so, you know, it's based on the time of day that you described the room's yeah. actually only about half full. And, um, there's actually one or two guys who are kind of packing up their briefcases now. And, uh, sliding papers in and kind of moving towards the door and one of them kind of walks by you and looks at you a little funny and just walks out and uh right. so based towards on the end of the day it looks like for based them. on what i've heard about marshall daly so far who's the most attractive guy in the room uh so you actually look around and there's a bunch of good looking guys but you don't see anyone that looks like a matinee okay. i don't necessarily all right so. um yeah first guy that starts to walk by with his briefcase i'll just politely stop him by the arm and say hey buddy Where's, uh, where can I find Marshall Daly? Marshall? Well, I mean, he's not here that much, but uh, he actually was here. He was, uh, you know, at least pretending to do some work, but, I mean, he left literally like three, four minutes ago. Do you mind pointing me to his desk? His desk? Yeah, yeah it's uh, one, two, three, four, back wall, four up. All right, thanks. Have a good night, buddy. All right, thank you. And um, I walk over his desk and um, literally start snooping around. As if I belong here. Okay. Like um, I'm some kind of executive come to pick up something that he was supposed to be writing or whatever. All right. So you look around his desk. There's a couple of, you know, there's a typewriter in the middle, some scattered papers. There's Mm -hmm. a, on top, what clearly looks like a screenplay with dialogue written on it. Mm -hmm. Um, A coffee cup with a half an inch of dirty looking ratty coffee in the bottom. With a cigarette put out in it. I was just going to say, exactly. There's an ashtray with a cigarette and, uh, Mm -hmm. yeah. That's, now there are a couple of drawers that you might yeah. or might not want to check. I do, definitely. Okay, so... Uh, um, and, uh, very much purposefully as if I use this desk every day. All right. So, not, not as a, a brute ripping open desk drawers and drawing attention to myself. Kinda, I'm trying to match my, my motions to the sounds of people typing. So okay. I'm not making any extra noises. Okay. Um, you look in the, you pull the drawers, and there's not just rulers, papers, pens, what you would expect in a writer's desk, but you do see uh, a kind of a date planner calendar, and okay. you think that it would make sense to look at that. Yep, and, uh, definitely. Pop it open, and it's got, uh, it's a weekly planner, essentially, and uh, you notice that on today's date that he's got a, um, six, at 6 o'clock p.m., it just says, uh, you know, a uh, group meeting. Group meeting. I'll make a note of that in my own notebook, 6 o'clock. Now, look back through the day planner. Has there been any other occurrences of the same thing at the same time? Mm, interesting. So you flip back to the prior weeks, if I understand correctly. Yep. And you see that, in fact, on every Thursday at 6 p.m., and then also occasionally on Saturdays, but regularly on Thursdays at 6 p.m., he has group meeting listed. Okay. No other information like a day? A day, day, address or people or anything like that. Nope. It just says okay. group meeting and, you know, presumably he knows where he's going. All right. So um, 
<clears throat> as I described in the last episode as well, take out the black notebook to my page, which now has Marshall Daily information on it. And make note that he does a 6 p.m. group meeting every Thursday, some Saturdays. What else do I find around the desk? Really nothing. Nothing of uh-huh. interest beyond, okay. beyond that. Okay. No, um, nothing of interest. Okay, we'll stick with that. And it is, I mean, it's, so this is for this evening, yeah. and it's... 530, 545 okay. now. So, and most of the, you know, you would know, uh, well, I guess you wouldn't know. You'd have to ask people around there. But generally, the work day there, the writers, most of them work till about 6 o'clock. So this is an end-of-the-day meeting okay. for him. Um, maybe I will... Um, I'll just pick somebody else in the room. Mm-hmm. Say, hey, you going to that group meeting? What meeting? Ah, forget I mentioned it. Am I Just missing, looking, oh, nah, am I don't something? worry, buddy. Nah, don't worry. Right. I think I was talking about someone else. Okay, no problem. I was looking for a reaction, and that's the reaction I was looking for. That It's not everybody here that goes to the group meeting, but something special with Marshall. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, now, get a, now I've got to figure out where that is. So I guess I will ask around the lot to people which way did he go, and if he just ends up going out the main gate then which direction from there, and see what I can follow. Okay. I asked Johnny to hang around for a few minutes so that I could uh, get back in the cab and and go where I needed to go. Okay. So did you leave the building, or are you asking inside? Well, presumably everyone inside would say he went out the door, so I don't necessarily need to ask anyone there which way he went. And there's one guy who's packing up his briefcase, and he's putting on his hat, he's ready to go for the night, Mm -hmm. and he's walking out. So it might make sense if you kind of caught up with him. Yeah, well, I'll do that then. Okay, so... Uh, you know, just an, another writer at the end of the day is going mm-hmm. out. So you saddle up beside him and, yep. uh, you know, it looks like he's moving out towards, go off the lot, presumably to get his car. And mm-hmm. you can, maybe it might be a good chance to ask him something about Marshall. Sure. Hey buddy, you work with Marshall, right? <laughs> I don't know if I'd use the word work. work. I mean, I work. <laughs> he comes yeah, in. I get that a lot when I talk about Marshall. Um, what's he, what's he do? I mean, when he's not at work, I mean, you know, anything about the guy? And he's uh he's got a good life, you know. He does uh, I think he sleeps a lot, and uh, he likes the ladies. There's no doubt about that. And uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. He's a uh, he's a weird one. He's uh, uh I don't know. I, I probably shouldn't say. No, nah, that's all right. Don't worry about it. I mean, you can say you say what you like about him here. I, I I go back with him a little bit. I know a couple of guys on the set uh, on the studio a lot as well, but. Uh, Trying to learn a little bit more about Marshall. Anything you're willing to offer would be great. Uh, Don't worry. He's not in trouble or anything. You won't be in any trouble. I'll reassure have, him that everything's okay. I was going to say, what do you have kind of for reassurance? Is reassurance. That a, just a I general have. ability? It is an investigative ability. Okay. So, um, so uh, well, you know, my Marshall's a good guy. Um, I mean, if you guys are friends, you know, are you are you, you know, part of his group? Or are you with him? Well, I'm I'm actually looking to meet up with the group. I'm just trying to figure out where it is. Yeah. Well, uh, I I think they moved. I'm not exactly sure where he goes, but yeah. uh, they you know he's always heading out of here on what, Thursdays. I guess he's uh, someplace over yeah. just off of uh, just off a of sunset, not too far past up of off a of palm. Um, I'm not sure what he does, but he is always heading there on Thursdays because he never comes out for a cocktail with me. All right. So he's with you some other nights then. Just Thursdays, he kind of skips out. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, we. We have a drink more often than not. 
So something to do after work, you know. Well, I you know I appreciate your time. You have a good night. Uh, I'll catch you around sometime. Sounds good. And and as uh, as he walks off, you uh, turn to go back to towards Johnny in the cab, and you mm-hmm. actually at that moment you see a very handsome man yeah. talking to what looks like maybe a secretary off by the car, right out uh, just short yeah. of the guards' gate, and it looks like he's getting ready to leave and. Uh, he seems to be kind of flirting or making eyes with her and uh, obviously says something charming. She laughs, perhaps more laugh than is appropriate for the circumstance. And <laughs> Of course. Yeah, he, uh, he puts his hand on her waist and must be saying something yeah. like, I'll see you soon. But he uh, gets in his car and he pulls out and turns right out of the lot. Um, I will make my way to the guard shack as he's getting ready to get in his car and just confirm with the guard that that's Marshall. That's Marshall, right? Uh, Mr. Daly, yeah. it, it is. That is Mr. All right, Daly. thanks, buddy. Um, quickly run over to the uh, cab, uh, jump in. I'm probably startled Johnny a little because he's never paying attention to people jumping in, jumping in his cab. Johnny, follow that car there, buddy. Okay. Uh, I'm going to have you make a quick check, which is sure. just uh, you either make it Ooh, or you I don't, with a difficulty four. Uh, this is a shadowing quick test. All right. Oh, I get two dice. All right, so here's my first one. My first die is a one. <laughs> yeah, I think I'll roll the second one. That probably makes a little sense. I'm going to roll this ugly green and black one here. And I'll roll another <laughs> one. Oh, I think right. I, I'm, out. I'm out. Nope. So, uh, Mic drop. All right, so you fail the quick test. So I get a two. But, but here, I could push him, couldn't I? I could push the, ca- the cab driver. No, uh, push is for investigative abilities. It's not oh, you're doing a general checkers. ability. You're yeah, right. I'm sorry. Checkers. Yep. Uh, it's fine. Hey, look, you're rules. Still good. Rules. Look at look at me nice. prepared. Uh, I like it. So you're actually still going to be able to follow Marshall. You're not going to lose him. But as a result of that roll, at some point I while Johnny's... I keep seeing him looking back. That's exactly yeah. right. So you're rolling, and at one point, Johnny... So now I assume you told Johnny to follow him. <laughs> he bumps him. Bump. You, you forgot to <laughs> yeah. tell him to stay back. Yeah. So at one point, yeah. Uh, well, so even before you got too close, Marshall was looking over his shoulder the whole time. Yeah. He's looking, he's caging, he's driving, he's looking, and he's actually, mm-hmm. kind of, he, I mean, you can tell from behind him that he is nervous. Okay. And it's not even like he's looking for you. He's just nervous, and he's okay. looking everywhere and constantly looking around. And at some point, you realize that he's now seen you one time too many behind him. Okay. So, so although I'm holding the newspaper that's always in the back seat of the cab, I realize he's looking. I say, damn it, Johnny, you got to stay back from him. Right. So at this point, Johnny slides back in the cab, and yeah. you hang back, you know, a full block behind him. You can keep him in sight. You follow him. You're windings a few turns and uh, actually uh, circles back around. And, I mean, he's taking a pretty circuitous route to get where he's going. Uh, and uh, at some point, he pulls up at, you know, what's a fairly modest uh, ranch-style house, just mm-hmm. a, what you would think of as a middle-class suburban house in one of the neighborhoods here, and uh, gets out of the car, and he looks around kind of, Nervously again, and then he, he, he doesn't run, but he trots very quickly up to the front door, knocks twice, and just walks straight in. Closes okay. the door behind him. Okay. Um, uh, so I just I want to revisit rules for a moment. This was not an actual thing where I end up with a problem card. This yep. was just a check that happened throughout. This wasn't um, an actual scene. Correct. Okay. All right. Now, was the, only, this... the only reason we did the check was to see whether he saw you or not. Okay. And was that part of the adventure or something you came up with? Part of the adventure. Cool. All right. I'm just trying to get a handle on how it's playing out. That's cool. Um, so I will, uh, Johnny, 
Uh, I need you to hang around for a little bit if you don't mind. Park around the corner. Uh, throw in an extra dollar tonight. Dollar? Yeah. Expander, Mr. Ray. Hey, I got a job. You know what it's like. All right, how long do you want me to wait? Tell you what, I'll be back here within an hour regardless. An hour? Yeah. All right, that's worth it for a dollar. All right, here's the newspaper. You can read it, too. All right, sounds good. Can check, right. on, check on the Dodgers. Not the L.A. Dodgers, the Brooklyn Dodgers. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes. Right. So, um, yeah, so, I, so it's now getting, it's dusk moving on dark. You know, it's okay. like 6.30, 7. Actually, no, it's, uh, it's almost 6 o'clock, right? So it's, uh, you know, it's evening in L.A. And uh, Marshall Daly has just uh, gone into this kind of suburban home. Yep. Um, as, a, uh, as a good uh, private eye, first thing I'm going to do is scope out the place. Uh, however, I can sneak around, literally sneak mm-hmm. around, um, looking through any windows I can, just you know, through the edges of a, a drawn curtain, um, any little bit where I can try and get an idea of what I'm about to walk into. Okay. Because I am about to walk into it. Yes. So uh, you walk around the outside, and yep. you know, there's some hedges in front, and it's you know, well-kept lawn and all that. You look in the windows, and you see... Inside, uh, eight or nine men, kind of a mixed bag, but all fairly well-dressed, uh, sitting around in small groups talking. So there's a couple sitting, a couple men ta- uh, standing, talking, and it just appears to be kind of a cocktail party with no cocktails. All right. Um, other than that, inside, is there anything out of the ordinary for this neighborhood in this style of house mm-hmm. um are there things that are unexpected like you know, things above the income range of somebody yep. who should live here not the income range but this particular house has a lot of bookshelves you notice okay. when you look in there's a lot of books and texts along okay. the walls um more than you might expect to see um just leading you to think that perhaps an intellectual or a professor or someone relatively intelligent lives there all right because stupid people don't do yeah. books. Now, if you wanted to... Uh, all right, so you continue to look around. Uh, at one point, you actually can come to a window, and the window's cracked. If you wanted to listen, you might be able to yeah, listen to Yeah, definitely, definitely. Okay, so... Um, it, cock my uh, fedora off to the side and stick my ear right up to the window and hold my breath for a moment, listening for what's going on inside. Okay, so... Um, so you listen and you hear snippets of conversations, but all of which seem to relate to the same theme, which is, uh, which is Hitler and Nazism and fascism and the need to combat that. And what, you've, what you realize after two or three minutes of listening that what you've got is a bunch of writers uh, who are working for uh, – you, you hear people saying things like, you know, we've got to be subtle about this. We can't, you know, we can't have uh, Hitler stealing children from a baby here. But we've got to get this message out to the people that this is a, that this isn't the, that this isn't what's going to happen. We've got to, you know, if we're going to support the cause, uh, we can't have these these Germans and these fascists uh, taking over. Oh, so they are actually anti-fascist, right? So if they first, sound like right, it. So at please. first you hear that, and then as you can, if you continue to listen, you'll yep. start to hear them actually talking. About Marx and uh, the Communist Manifesto, and so not Groucho, <laughs> not, not Groucho. Okay, uh, and then you realize that that 
you're, that what this appears to be is a group of communists hmm. who are meeting and talking about how to um, uh, support their agenda of uh, having socialism and communism rise in America and that as in order for that to work, they've got to make sure that these fascists don't come to power. And it's obviously some struggle that they're dealing with. And, and uh, through the movies and media and entertainment, that's how they're trying to push their agenda forward. And this would explain, yeah. you know, because you because of your kind of streetwise abilities yeah. and what you got, you know that like the Red Scare and the, the communist threat is something that is very real and that it's something that LAPD is very focused on stamping out, which might explain why um, the person you were tailing was looking so nervous. And, and from Dex's perspective, neither communism or, nor fascism has really affected him directly yet, so he's kind of neutral towards either. Right. It's one of those, let's see which is the worst. Um, and I'm sure in a few years he's actually going to find out, but right now he doesn't know. And... Um, so hearing both of those things has kind of set him to just curious. He wants to know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's going to try and crash the party. It's time for, and, and, and just in a, a nonchalant way. Okay. Um, uh, I'm thinking of it as trying to look, I don't know. I, I'm thinking of a combination between bargain and streetwise. The, the idea of, he knows how to handle himself in a group of other people, mm-hmm. even though he doesn't hang around a lot of people. When he does, he knows exactly how to fit in. And then if for some reason he feels out of place, he ought to be able to bargain with people. So the idea being, I'm going to use the same motions that he saw um, Marshall use to get in. So he's just going to go up to the door, knock twice, open, and walk in. Okay. Uh, all right, so you do exactly that. You walk yeah. up to the door, you knock, you, and you just Were any in. of them wearing hats? Not in the house. Okay, so he'll take his hat off as soon as he enters the house. Okay. So he walks in the house. Try and, to fit in. And uh, everything kind of stops. Okay. And, uh, you know, it's obviously the meeting has started and that mm-hmm. someone late is coming in. And, uh, you know, almost immediately uh, Marshall is up in your face and mm-hmm. says, uh, you know, you know, this is, what are you, you're with these scum that are following me. What are you doing? And he actually cocks back his fist to take a swing at you. Or to do something like that. And okay. so I need you to roll a sense trouble check. Oh, I think there is trouble here. Do I really need to sense <laughs> I have two dice for this, so I'll start with the first one. And I'll tell you, an adva- the advance is a six or better, okay. and the hold is a three to five. Let's see what I get on my first roll, a two. Okay. So I need, to, I need to go again. I need to roll my second die here. And I will get a six. So I got an so eight. You got an eight. All right, so... Um, so, so what I'm looking at doing, and, and if it doesn't fit the narrative, of course, change it, but mm-hmm. um, just put a hand up without backing off mm-hmm. and just say, hold on, buddy. We need to talk. Okay, that's great. So that's a perfect way to describe that. Um, you know, if, if you'd been more aggressive, you could have put him in a headlock or something mm-hmm. like that, but there's no need for that. You, yeah. you set aside, you kind of show enough of a force, but also reassuring. There's always there's time no for intimidation for later. Exactly. So yeah. there's no need for that. And by the way, the reason, just as an aside, that he took that swing at you is because he saw you. Yeah. So if you had passed the quick test, you might have been able to walk in and just smooth talk him. But mm-hmm. because he saw you follow him, there's no way he's not taking a poke at you. Okay. So, but because you did so well, you get an advance there, and you actually earn an edge, edge number Ooh, two, yeah. which is called quick reactions. I'm going to give you the card for edge number two. Spend for an extra die on any athletics, driving, or fighting test. 
Now, those who have been paying attention will know, based on the, the things that I've rolled so far, one extra die could be a huge benefit. Right. On the last one where I failed, I'd rolled two ones. If I really wanted to succeed, I could have used an extra die. I know it doesn't fit exactly, but in that scenario, if I could have used an extra die, I could have added up to six more to my roll and probably not had the setback. Right. And now I probably will not remember what problems and edges you have. Okay. So if you can try to keep track of that and hopefully you'll have an opportunity to use it. So, uh, all right. So you, uh, you actually, uh, whether it's reassurance or bargaining or however, it doesn't matter. You, you have a presence that sues, sues Marshall and, and you. Bid. I'm, I'm going to say it's bargaining okay. uh, just from the perspective that I want to, um, Make sure he understands that I have something to offer here as well. It's not just that I need information from him, but maybe I have something for him as well. Okay, so are you going to try to take him aside, or are you going to sit in the meeting, or what are you going to do? Um, I, actually, that's a good question. I will ask him directly. Um, do you have a few minutes to talk, or do we want to wait till after the meeting's done? Uh, I'm going to be I'm accommodating. Well, why don't, why don't we go outside? We can Although chat for a accommodation minute. isn't an investigative <laughs> ability. Why don't, we, uh, yeah. why don't we go outside? We can chat for a minute. So. All right, that's good. I appreciate you not giving me a black eye. And I promise I won't say how Hitler on the way out. <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah, that's thing, just a joke. So. Yeah, okay. um, <laughs> no one here is wearing Bye. red. Uh, all right, so we step up. Okay, so, uh, so what you know about him to date is just... Uh, that he has some connection to Helen based on what mm -hmm. Margaret told you. Uh, and yep, that's I can, really it. So. Um, uh, Joe will look at his notes, although um, Dex is better than that. And I'll just um, say, look, Marshall, I just want to get right to the point here. We need to talk a little bit about the deacons. What can you tell me? About the deacons? Yeah. You were uh, seeing Helen for a bit. Yeah, I mean Helen's a great girl. She's a she's good good time girl, you know. She's fun. She is. Have you seen her recently? Well, you know, she uh, she went missing like six weeks ago. I haven't seen her since then. Right. What about uh, five weeks ago or so when you were looking for her? What were you looking for at that time? Yeah, well, the uh, 1930s equivalent of a booty call. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean she's a good girl. I wasn't just using her. She, I, li I like Helen. She's uh, she's a she's a really good girl. But she went missing and she was gone for a week. So. You know, I went around to the manor to see her, even though that place gives me the willies. And, uh, you know, her battle axe of a uh, sister there, you know, she looks like a cute kitten, but she's a battle axe. And yeah. she, uh, she didn't really want anything to do with me. She didn't give me the time of day. Told me Helen was missing and for me to get out of there. I really think she's just being protective of a sister. Nothing against you. I'm sure all the guys who came around got the same treatment. Well, I mean, she definitely seemed worried, but uh, she wasn't going to talk to me about it. So I need to know any information you have about this. I know you probably don't want to get involved, but you little group. Well, I'd here. like them to find her. I mean, yeah. you know, six weeks is a long time for someone to be missing. So what else can you offer here before, you know, your group here probably wouldn't take too kindly to the cops showing up. And uh, not that I think they're showing up, but you never know what could happen. That would be intimidation. I think. That would be intimidation. Yeah. So, uh, Since he was yeah. about to punch me. I smoothed out the situation. I'm turning the tables, and I want to let them know I'm in control. Yeah. So, um, I mean, are you threatening me, Mr. Raymond? I, I wouldn't threaten you. I'm not a cop. 
I know nothing about that. Well, you know all the cops are on the take. The problem is who knows when they're going to pay them off and come looking for you guys. These are good people here. These are people that want the best for our country. These are people who believe that the capitalist system and the corporate powers are keeping us down. The proletariat, the people who should have power, have nothing because these, these wretched capitalist scum keep just putting their boots on our necks. And now they're working with Hitler and Goebbels and these Germany and... I'm, the country's on the wrong path. Like, if you've turned us into the cops, you're going to be suppressing the best element of society. Hey, let's be clear here. I wouldn't turn anyone into, into the cops. The problem is the cops have a way of finding things out. I could probably help you there. I got a contact or two that might keep them away from here. I can't guarantee that, though, unless you can help me out with my case. Well, that would be meaningful. That would be yeah. incredibly helpful. That's something we would value, and I would value sure. personally. Yeah. Uh, so perhaps we can strike a bargain here. You give me a little information. Maybe I can make it so it takes the cops a few days longer to find you. And that would be great, but that's not even necessary because I want to find Helen. I mean, I don't, is she alive? Is she dead? Where is she? Like, we, I'm, if I can help find her, that would be something that would be, that make me feel good. Well, I was under the impression that her sister told you that she was at her house, but you haven't been there to see her since. At her house? Oh, man. I think I'm probably making that up right now. I'll stick with it anyway. She's at her home right now. How come, you haven't, how, how come you haven't gone back? It's been five weeks since you showed up. You can't care about the girl too much to let more than a month go by to even say hi. Well, I do. Mari was pretty clear she didn't want me there. And you know what? I'm pretty pissed at her that she hasn't told me that they found Helen. What the I, hell's wrong with her? I don't think she's reaching out to you anytime soon, Marshall. Well, I, I mean... I, I'm very shocked by that news. I'm very sh- I mean, that's wonderful. I, I got to go see her. But she can't be the only one that you've been with. I mean, that secretary on the way out of the lot. Well, that little pat Yeah, but there. Helen, Helen's special. She's a special girl. Yeah, she's definitely special now. So, you know she showed up covered in blood. In blood? Yeah. I'm, I'm trying, I mean, to, I don't know anything trying about to gauge this. his reaction yeah. from, no. from yeah, I don't post. know. Yeah. I, I didn't even know she showed up. How would I know she showed up covered in blood? Does it seem like he's being truthful about that? This is a surprise to him. Okay. Um, All right. Well, Marshall, I'll I'll let you and your comrades get back to your meeting. And uh, if I need any more information, I might might call on you again. Unless there's something that you're going to tell me before I uh, walk away from you. I mean, I'm just, I can't believe she's back. But, I mean, we got to find out, you got to find out who did this to her. That's my job, buddy. We call everyone buddy, just so you know. I mean, uh, I'm trying to think of what could help you. It's, uh, you know. Any information about what she was doing before she disappeared. That's exactly the thing that could help me. Well, you know, I mean, Helen, she's a funny girl. She was a good time girl, but she had some funny quirks. and uh, Most of the good time ones do. She, uh. She tried to get me to attend a meeting with her one time, this uh, group called the Order of the Argent Light. So they weren't communist enough for you? <laughs> they weren't communist as far as I know. All right. I'm not sure I appreciate your tone with respect to the party, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the benefit of the doubt. But this Argent Light, Order of the Argent Light, is run by some woman, uh, Clara Nebel. And, uh, you know, at, just, this, at this point, Dex does take out his book to write this down. Yeah. And, you know, to be honest, I laughed at her so hard that she never brought it up to me again. So, I'd I, I don't know much about the Order of the Argent Light, but I know about Clara Nebel, and uh, I, got no, I don't want anything to do with her. 
What do you know about Clara? Well, I mean, she's, uh, I mean, you should ask around. You'll learn more than I do. But she's one of these mystics, you know, the madams. And uh, she's just fleecing money off of rich, rich girls like Helen who don't know any better. Uh, so she's the kind of person that would say, you know, take money from the wealthy and distribute it amongst those who are less wealthy. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, she takes it from the wealthy and distributes it to her, I think. So. <laughs> um, All right. I mean, Mr. Raymond, the only other thing I can think, and I don't know if it would be related, but, you know, another time when I was with Helen, I found a, a bunch of like high-dollar chips from the, uh, the Alegria, the, uh, you know, the casino, the high-end casino here in town. Um, they were in her purse, and uh, I tried to get her to go there with me and gamble with them, but you know, she, she like acted like it was weird. It was like she had these chips, and I was like, let's go to the casino, let's play, let's have a great time, and she acted like I'd run over a cat. It was weird. Curiosity killed that cat. It wasn't the car. Yeah, so it's you know, the, ale- ale- what is it, the Alegria, the, what does that mean? That's like joy in Spanish or something? Alegre? I don't know. I can't remember the exact name, but it's a, it's a, it's a nice casino. In about 60 years, it's going to be an allergy medicine. In the meantime, it's a casino. <laughs> I mean, I can't, I don't know, I can't think of anything else. I, can't, I just can't believe she's back. I mean, I want to see her. Do you think Margaret would let me see her? i tell you what, you know, Margaret's not always there. Maybe you uh, go by and say hi sometime. Think she'd talk to me? I think she'll say something. <laughs> All right. And uh, I may check back in with you in a day or two and... See if there's any new information you can share. Okay. Um, In the meantime, you go on back to your meeting. All right. Well, I appreciate that. Um, and the only other thing I would say, just, you know, you, I kind of mentioned this before, but your cop talk knowledge, you know, mm-hmm. you, you know that, like, he's been being, he was being cagey and defensive just because he's terrified of the LAPD's yeah. Red Squad. They call it that's the Red Squad. kind of why I brought it up. Yeah. So that's, Figuring uh, that might intimidate him into giving me some more information. So that you know the cops are all corrupt, and uh, yep. they'll that red squad they'll shake down and use political intimidation, and and half the time it's just a posture to get money and and uh, and payouts. But sometimes they do throw actual communists in jail. So um, the fact that you know uh, you know the fact that you tried to befriend Marshall. Um, Means something. Yeah, I'm. I'm just looking here. So okay. the fact that you the, you played it the way you did, and you, I, I would say you basically befriended him, got him on your side, mm-hmm. and he wants to help. I would say yeah. based on the way we just played it. So that the game tells me that I should give you edge three. Hey, Marshall works. offers aid. So All at right. the end of this scene, Marshall Daly has agreed to help you, even if it's dangerous, if it means getting back whoever hurt Helen. Ah, so. I definitely would then think that Dex leaves this scene convinced that Marshall cares for Helen. Which I think, based on your yeah. kind of assess honesty, would be true. Yeah. All right. Oh, okay. That's cool. Marshall offers a... Okay. So now, just as a, a quick recap, I have two edges. I have that one, plus the quick reactions that I just got that gives me an extra die on athletics, driving, or fighting. And in the meantime, I continue with my continuity problem, um, which is problem number three. And being broke. But you don't have any additional problems, which is good. Nothing yet. Yeah, which is good. So I'm looking for every opportunity to make money because I am behind on my bills. Right, right. So uh, at this point, you leave the party. Yep. You get Johnny, hop into the cab. Probably only been about a half an hour. He's still waiting for me. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, probably not even that long, but he's still waiting. Uh, Where are you heading from here? 
Ah, uh, gosh. From here, I'm even though it's a little late, I'm going to go by the uh, Deacon Manor Deacon and Man. see if I can uh, get that um, chemisol so I can get some forensics done to it. Okay. I think that's a great idea. So I have- may even stop by and listen to some of Helen's ramblings now that I've heard this Argent Light thing a couple of times. Maybe um, I can hear it firsthand from her. Okay. So you hop in the cab with Johnny and say, hey, Mr. Raymond, uh, we ready to go? Yeah, you know where the Deacon Man is? Ah, I do. Yeah, well, that's uptown. Head, let's head there. Uh, I don't know if they let our kind up there. Uh, don't worry. You can drop me off a block away if you're worried. Uh, Mr. Raymond, that's a nice spot. It is. Let's uh, let's let's make haste. All right. So he uh, presses the gas nice and easy, pulls away in the big land yacht of a... <laughs> big of, uh, land yacht. Back in 1937 yes. style and cruises. And, uh, Where you can feel every bump on the right. road. That's so right. You hit a red light. You stop for a minute. Keep going. Hit another red light. Somewhere two or three lights in, you, you get the sense that maybe you should roll a sense trouble roll. <laughs> I like that. You get the sense that now sense trouble, I have two dice. All right. Advance five. So I'm going to start with this one. Hold is four or less. Oh, I got a four, four to start. Mm, all right. Now let's review the rules. Okay. Um, I've got the hold, but if I roll another die, I can hit advance, which means I could get an edge. That's correct. You or might get an edge, you case. might get a bonus, or you may just get a different role play result. You know what? We're going to stick with that. I'm going to stick with the hold this time and see what happens, right? Because okay. hold was four, right? Yeah. Just so for if role I don't, play purposes? Yeah, I want to see what happens, yeah. Okay. And instead of excelling at what I'm about to do, I'd rather just see what happens. Okay. Because uh, I'm, I'm not going to, as we, I would say, air quotes, fail this. Correct. I'm just not necessarily going to get some super Correct. duper advantage. Okay, so you got a sense that maybe something was yeah. a little off, but you, you look around, you look behind you, you don't see anything, you keep driving. So, okay. Going along, half mile, mile, a few more lights, take a right, yeah. take a left. You sense, you sense again, like, you get a sense maybe someone's following you. So let's roll another sense. Another one. All right. I am going to pick a different die to start with this time. This one, you got a four again. Is it the same roll? Same roll. All right. Then I'm going to add the ugly green one to it and come up with a seven, a four, and a three. All right. And so at this point, it took you a little while. You sensed it before, and now you've confirmed that you are being tailed. Okay. And uh, you see, uh, you know, half a block back, kind of a a dark maroon land yacht, uh, Mm -hmm. fairly sporty car behind you. Uh, with a middle-aged gentleman behind the wheels, got a cigarette, uh, but he's clearly focused ahead, and you you know he's following you. Is it a car that I recognize from the area of the Kami hideout? It's not one you've ever noticed okay. in particular before. Okay. Um, so, uh, do you? Um, I think I'm all right with it. I think... Uh, I'm still going there regardless. Okay. It shouldn't draw any attention that I'm going to the client's house, so I'm going to do it. Okay. So in that case, you continue uh, towards Deacon Manor. And uh, while I just flip around a little bit, why don't you tell me what the drive looks like? Oh, well, I guess from what you had described, um, we're going from, you know, we started at the movie lot, we're going to uh, to a, a neighborhood that had ranch houses in it. Uh, probably driving, the streets are going to get smoother. 
The sun has set. It's getting dark. A few uh, stars are coming out. And hey, back in the 30s, I bet you could see stars a lot better, even in L.A. And so it's probably nice moonlit night. Driving up and down a few streets. Um, notice uh, the car behind me. Strike up a little conversation with Johnny. Make sure he doesn't notice, because I don't want Johnny to be alarmed that we're being followed. Mm-hmm. Um, he's kind of skittish. And um, I think get to the point of, I know that car's back there, but I don't want that person to know that I know they're following me. And I'm just going to proceed about the drive. As we come up, the houses, uh, I, I presume the houses are just getting farther and farther apart as each of the more expensive houses owns more land along with it. And it's probably like a tenth of a mile drive from the road up to the house itself, around maybe a little horseshoe or something, as we approach. And are you ready? Okay. (laughs) So we approach the manor. Okay. So... I I want Johnny to let me out right where a gate's going to open to let me in. Okay. And so you arrive at uh, Deacon Manor. You... Sorry, I just want to make sure I'm yeah. in the right place. Okay, so um, kind of a fancy place, large, Johnny. Yeah, It'll make your car look good. Exactly, it's manor. So uh, you've not called in advance, so neither Margaret nor anyone else there necessarily knows that you're coming, uh, and you're not even sure if she'll let you meet with Helen. But mm-hmm. you presumably walk up to the door. Yeah, I'm actually presuming there is somebody who will announce my presence. The idea is to let Margaret know that um, her client is here. Okay, or her employer. I, what the heck? I, I got this backwards. She's my client. Anyway, the person she has hired to help out is is here. Right. So the house, I mean, this is a large three-story kind of neoclassical structure uh, in Beverly Hills. Mm-hmm. So for the time, this is a, it's not a mansion, but this is a large manor. Yeah. When you go to the door, a butler, literally a butler, opens it and he greets you kind of stiffly and asks you to wait uh, while he summons Margaret, which is presumably what mm-hmm. you directed. Yes. Um, he's not going to really talk to you at all. Nope. Um, he's gonna hey, Jews, get Margaret. Right. So uh, so Margaret comes down, and uh, she's a little surprised to see you. She's still dressed just as she was before, but she says, um, uh, Mr. Raymond, Mr. Uh, Dex, Dex, uh, yes. uh, something wrong? So, not just uh, here to see if I can gather some information, assure you I'm on the case. Things are progressing just fine. Um, Alrighty. Is there any way that uh, we can get that um, garment that your sister was wearing when she was found? The garment? Yes. I've sure. got, I've got yeah. some contacts I can try and help figure out oh, where, sure. where it may have been. Yeah, if that's all you want, that's no problem at all. I can get that. Let yeah. me just uh, let me ask Wheatcroft to get it for you. Um, Wheatcroft, yeah. would you mind uh, just uh, – Helen's camisole, I, I think it's – we haven't laundered it uh, for obvious reasons, but would you get that for, uh, for Mr. Raymond here? It's uh, back in one of the laundry rooms. Uh, would it be possible to uh, see Helen? I don't, I don't know about that. I don't, I, no, I'm just I don't think it could help. She's, curious she's, with some of the things you've told me, maybe if I heard her talking, it might give me some clues as to what's going on. Well, Dex, I mean, I, I want to help you, and if you think it'll really help, I, I think I won't could, disturb but, her at all. I won't even ask her anything. I'll just listen to what she has to say. Well, I guess uh, one time. Sure. But I... I, I one time. Sure, that sounds great. All right. So, um, 
you walk upstairs to the second mm-hmm. floor. This is a fairly grand staircase in the, okay. the main from the main entryway. Nice way. curving up along the wall with the nice marble banister. banister. Exactly. Yeah. There's a large hanging chandelier down over the, and you walk up to the second floor. Uh, you turn right, and there, kind of the on the right corner at the top, is a door to her sister's room, which uh, Margaret actually unlocks. She actually puts a key in mm-hmm. and uh, unlocks the door and walks through, and then summons Dex, uh, summons you in behind her. Um, there's a nurse in the room, mm-hmm. and then you see uh, Helen kind of sitting on the edge of her bed. Um, Margaret tells you that the the nurse, who's a, she's a young black woman, her mm-hmm. name's Ella. Ella Pernu, for what that's worth. Okay. And um, she's there, and she's clearly watching Helen, watching you, and like is actively ready to, to do... To know, do something. To do anything that's needed. Um, the room has been... Uh, like Almost everything has been taken out of the room. So it's down to base furniture. Like Most of what you would consider normal decorations and ornaments have been removed. And you notice, as you look in through the door, there's a bathroom attached. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's no... You know, as you look around, which you would just naturally do, you notice like there's no mirror and there's no uh, nail files and there's no like obviously this so room has it, been sanitized. It's clear that um, it clear to Dex that she has, since she's been home, tried to be destructive in some ways, and they're removing the ability for her to be destructive, whether it be to herself or others. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. And so. Um, you see Helen sitting there on the edge of the bed, and she's got kind of a, a house coat or like a robe that mm-hmm. uh, the nurse has put around her. And while she's sitting there, at one point, um, the robe just hap- i mean, it just falls open, and it's showing kind of just her camisole or slip mm-hmm. underneath. And it's like Helen literally doesn't even notice that that happened. She's okay. just oblivious to it. And Ella then reaches back over and just kind of closes the robe for okay. her. Um, so she kind of a awake comatose type of thing exactly Exactly. so you you could tell like her hair is still kind of wet it looks like it's been washed or shampooed but but not really dried and disordered and she stares ahead she hasn't looked at you she hasn't looked at her sister and she's just sitting there just you see her lips moving and she's just kind of mumbling but Mm -hmm. you can't like you don't even hear sound it's not that you don't it's just like she's just literally so uh so Margaret, when uh, when does she talk? I mean, she just sits here like this, just all day long. Because you mentioned when we talked earlier, she said some words that you could understand. When does that happen? I'm just curious if uh, I could hear a little bit of it myself. Yeah, no, I don't. I I don't. She doesn't say any things I can understand. She just. I mean, there may be words in them, but there's just just. Yeah. Uh, I, I was just thinking of what I wrote down, yeah. Kurt. That's all. Did I write? Um, I, maybe I, I misspoke, or maybe I forgot. I put uh, muttering nonsense about secret masters and pyramids and argent light. Oh, I'm sorry, Dex. I, I wasn't clear been... about that. That was stuff that she started talking about after our mother died. Oh, so all after right. After our that mother died me. two right. years ago, she started talking about those things and and rambling on about them. All right. But no, that's not since she came back. That's uh, Since she came back, she's been incoherent. All right. I will, um, so you're talking to Margaret at this point? Yes. Okay. I will direct nothing towards Helen because I've told Margaret I wouldn't. Okay. So I'm being honest with her okay. as long as so I can. So have you made any eye contact with Helen? Well, I'd be looking at her, definitely, yes. Okay. Yes. Um, but I told Margaret I wouldn't ask Helen anything. I would just listen. Okay. 
If you've looked at her, yeah. I need you to roll a stability check. Oh, snap. I guess literally snap, right? I'm going to use different dice here. Uh, stability. I have two dice. Okay, and this is an advance is eight plus, and a oh hold my. is five to seven. All right, my first die is a one. <laughs> I'm not going to get the eight. Uh, let's go with this one for the second die. Is three more, so that's a four. Four. So setback. Yeah, unless I'm going to take a problem to roll Next another problem? die. And okay. I get to roll a die if I take a problem. Yes. You get roll one more die Let in exchange for taking an extra problem number 16. I'm going to take this ugly green one. And roll a six oh, on that die, so I end snap. up with a nine. So I'm actually going to oh, get totally an edge. Oh, totally different result. But I'm going to get an edge out of this, but I have to still take the problem. You are. That's correct. So let's start with All the right, problem. All right, from a role play perspective, an interesting different result. Okay. All right, so let's do the problem first. Yeah. Uh, problem number... You said 16? 16. This doesn't make sense. Okay. They put the wrong number in here. It's cold-blooded. Let me see if I can find it, because problem number 16 is not cold-blooded. We found us a typo. Yep. Um, but while I flip through this, I will tell you that you also, because you ended up getting the advance, you gain edge number six, which is bedrock skepticism. So let's go to that one first. All right. And why don't you read that while I look I for the will. problem? So edge number six, bedrock skepticism. Um so on each of these cards, or on some of these cards, I should say, there are some italicized words that are kind of a story description, and then there are non-italicized, which are the um, mechanical definition of, of what happens with this thing. So Ed Six, Bedrock Skepticism, the story part is the supernatural, malign deities, what a load of hogwash, you'll never fall for that bunkum, and the... Um, mechanical advantage of this edge is I can spend this to counter a mythos shock problem. Now, is problem 16 a mythos shock problem? It is not. Okay. But it is a big problem. Okay. So, Joe would have had, or Dex would have had a setback on this, so presumably something that he saw in Helen's eyes would have yeah. been a real problem for him. But by spending an extra die... He did it at this cost of getting the cold blood problem. And it said problem 16 in here. It's a typo. It's problem 18 for what that's worth. Okay. But it says, you maintain your sanity by cutting off your empathy for others. Oh. The mechanical uh, take on that is that when you, and this, is, this stinks, when you spend a push on reassurance, mm -hmm. roll a die, on an odd result, you do not gain the benefit of the push. Oh. You discard this card. Okay. So the next time you try to use a push to reassure someone, you have a 50% chance of it not working. That's pretty slick. Which, given I like that you the, only have three of those, I think, three or four, that's yeah. not good. I like that mechanic, though. I like the idea that it's a 50-50 shot. Mm -hmm. That's yep. nice. All right. All right. So, um, so, so you look at her, and you, you get a sense that something that you just skirted, mm -hmm. you, just, you just skirted something bad. And I need you to now immediately but, roll another. But if I go with the bedrock skepticism, there could have been something bad, but nah, there ain't nothing bad there. Exactly. Yeah. So I need you to make a second test, and this one's going to be a cool test. Oh, I have one die on cool. So because it just helped me last time, I'm going to use this ugly green die again, and I'm going to roll a five. That's five. not bad. It's an advanced plus. So nice. Yeah, this was a cool test for your reaction to Helen. Okay. Um, who, even though she's comatose, she's still a deacon, and she's still a beautiful uh, okay. woman. So this is to get your reaction to her. And Dex, 
Uh, you see why someone might fall in love with this beautiful, damaged waif. I see why Marshall might, but... That someone would consider himself her white knight, and swear, mm. to revive her, uh, swear to revive her from her troubled sleep so that he could live with her forever in a magical castle. Fortunately, you're not that kind of someone. That's right. <laughs> Gain edge one, edge self-possessed. One. A show of self-control gives you the confidence you'll need in case this gets hairy. Uh, if this case gets hairy, spend this edge for an extra die on cool or stability. Stability, that's important. That is. Or for a plus two bonus to any other general slash mental test. Man, you're racking up the edges here. Gosh, plus two bonus is nice. If I know the number's a, like a five and I've rolled a three, I can just say, bam, there we go. Right, right. So you have, uh, you have seen the room. You've met Helen. And you have uh, at least survived your initial contact right, so with her. Margaret, let's go get Wheat Thin and uh, get that uh, dress. I can't remember what the guy's name was. Oh, Wheatcroft. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and get the camisole? Yeah. And, and uh, we'll get that garment and uh, I'll be out of your hair for the night. All right. That sounds great. Uh, and, and they do exactly that. And I think, uh, you know, there's not much else that's going to come out of an interview with Helen or with Margaret at this point. So I think that would be a perfect place to end the scene. I think it is. I know what Dex's next step is going to be. Um, is going to go check in with his source, um, Virginia Ashbury, the scientist, who's uh, more than happy to, um, to work with Dex and figure out if there's any forensic information that can be got, gotten from this garment. Excellent. So the only thing I might suggest there, even though it's not really my job, but she'll be able it to test now. the blood, but yeah. what will she compare it to? So you might need to ask Margaret or someone to get us. Oh, sample. I'll bleed on it too. See if it was me. <laughs> it could have been me the whole time. You may need some records for to figure yeah. out what... Uh, I'll ask Wheat then for a blood sample, because I already said the butler did it. <laughs> um, okay, so do you want to call her now, or you want to call her next episode? I think we'll, we'll start with that on the next episode. And, and to uh, Kurt's advice, I will um, also see if Margaret and Helen are able to uh, give family blood samples, if you will, before I leave the establishment. All right. Sounds like a plan. All right. Hey, y'all. Thank you for listening. Second hour of Cthulhu Confidential. We will be back for at least one, if not many more. We will. Kurt, take a few seconds. How do you think it's going so far? I'm enjoying it. It's totally different from a group dynamic. This is very different. I like that. I like that... um, if one of us asks a question, there's no, there's, there is no question about who's supposed to be answering it. It's very straightforward. Um, there's also a lot of less like talk penises in German dungeon. Right so. until now, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, we'll say... Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. Bye. The preceding podcast was brought to you by One Joe Young. You can find us online at adventuresfromtheshed.com.